start whenever. Okay. So, all right. Anytime now, it's going to start. It's already started. Welcome to our podcast, everybody. Uh, this is the first official episode of the Trade Waiters. Should we introduce ourselves? Or yeah, okay. So I'm Jeff Ellis. I'm Jonathan Dalton. I'm Angela Mellick, and I'm Kathleen Gross. Okay, so I, I guess we're going to have some kind of music at some point. I don't know what that's going to be yet, uh, but you, the audience at home, has already heard this music. Uh, all right, so uh, before we talk about the, the book that we're going to be doing today, I have a character-revealing question for each of us. Oh, no. uh, t- this week's character-revealing question is, what was the comic that got you, um, the, the comic that got you for comics? So not the first comic that you read, but the comic that when you read it, you said, yes, comics is the thing for me. I am going to do this. Oh, that's an easy one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jeff? So... It's funny, because I had read a lot of Spider-Man. A lot. Like, a lot, a lot of Spider-Man. And then the Clone Saga happened, and I was pretty much done with comics. And then I read uh, Death, the High Cost of Living by Neil Gaiman. And when I finished that story, I broke down crying. And that's when I was... Just, I had that epiphany of, like, Wow you can do a lot with comics. You can do a lot more than Spider-Man clone sagas, and uh, I want to do that. Okay. Kathleen? Oh, yeah. Um, My mom took me to the library in grade 7, and the graphic novels section was like one shelf on the bottom, and I took out China Clugston's Blue Monday, Volume 2, Absolute Beginners, and that just, like, got me. Like, I'd read a lot of, you know, like, newspaper collections before then, but that was, like, it was these teens, and they swore, and were getting up to hijinks, and it was just, it was really, it, like, grabbed me, and I love it still. All right. Okay, Angela? The the comic for me has got to be Ranma One Half by Takahashi Rumiko. Uh, so I'd read comics quite widely before that, but I had just started entering my manga phase, so to speak, in uh, high school, grade 8 Angela here, and, uh, I realized that, like, Ramon Half, it had book after book after book after book, and I just, I couldn't understand how one person was making all these comics. And then I realized that this was not her first series. <laughs> she had done all of Maison Ikoku before that, and she was doing Inuyasha now. Like, Ramon Half had gone for, like, 36 volumes, I think, and ended, and that um, sheer volume, so I didn't understand the, the intricacies of the manga industry at the time and the concept of assistance, but... That one person could be so prolific in their storytelling, that was kind of the epiphany moment for me. That I was like, I could tell so much with comics, even just me. Okay, well this is where I'm going to reveal how old I am. <laughs> uh, the, the comic for me was uh, Excalibur number 42, <laughs> I think it was, uh, by Alan Davis. Yeah, 40, 1 through 40 was just crap. <laughs> Forget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this was the early 90s. So at this point, basically, it was superheroes or nothing. Those were your options. So I was reading superheroes. Um, and this was one of the first superhero comics that I read. Uh, and 
in retrospect, I think the one the the thing that caught me for this comic was the fact that it wasn't just superheroes punching punching things. It was all about sort of the they were superheroes, but it was about their interpersonal relationships and how they didn't get along very well. And there were these weird aliens that were living in their house for some reason and exploding toilets, and it was pretty great. Uh, and so I think everything I've done and read and um, appreciated in comics since then has been sort of, that was the starting point. Uh, and then now that we have things that are not superheroes, I can sort of go in that direction with full force and don't have to worry about capes and continuity. <laughs> I like that you don't think the Spider-Man Clone Saga ages me at all. Like, <laughs> this is before the Clone Saga. <laughs> we didn't say first comic you read, though. You said no. Yeah. Okay. that really did okay. it for you. All right, so let's talk about... We don't know when you read Excalibur. We don't know. <laughs> That's true. Uh, let's talk about the, the book that we're actually here for, which is Seconds by Brian Lee O'Malley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think... Well, this was my suggestion... Um, and uh, I had been really excited to read this uh, for a while after I heard about it, and um, I really liked uh, Scott Pilgrim. That that was a really fun read. I really enjoyed that a lot, and uh, I even enjoyed the movie. Maybe yeah. a controversial opinion. No, no, it was uh, fun. <laughs> it was, it was, it was good. fun. The book was better, but as yeah. is usually the case. But yeah, so so it was really interesting to pick this up and just to see a, a really different Brian Lee O'Malley because um, it's now it's in full color, and it's just one story. There's no multiple volumes, and um, I was really impressed with it. I think, um, so I think I read a review by someone else that said it was like Scott Pilgrim grows up, and, and I definitely thought that considering the mm-hmm. way there's themes in, um, in Scott Pilgrim about kind of being in your 20s and, and starting to mature into your, into your late 20s, this was definitely a book about being in your 30s, and I mean, I'm I'm like 34, and so reading this, I it, a lot of this resonated with me for that. Um, I suppose I should summarize maybe the book a little bit before we we talk sure. too yeah, deeply about real it. Real quick, real okay. quick. We're assuming we do we're a spoiler warning, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. So the rule for this podcast is going to be it will be full of spoilers. So if you have not read this book and uh, spoilers are a thing that bother you, go stop this podcast. Go read the book come back and listen to it after. Because we are assuming uh, either that you've read this book or you don't care about spoilers, because we're going to talk about everything. Yeah. Yeah. So And probably for Scott Pilgrim as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, oh, yeah. There's so much to be spoiled. Um, but, yeah, uh, so basically the this book is about a girl named Katie, uh, and she's in her 30s, and she uh, is a chef of some note, and... She was working at a restaurant that was successful, and then she got a second restaurant that is underway in the process of beginning. And uh, she's sort of, I don't know, a little bit adrift. She's uh, cheating on her boyfriend. Um, and She uh, came out of a bad breakup. Yeah, came out of a bad breakup, and... Uh, or that's it. Sorry, she's not cheating on her boyfriend, is she? She's, no, I've read this so long ago. Yeah, uh, <laughs> on on yeah, the book. Yeah. She gets out of a bad breakup and then decides, like, she discovers um, this this house, this sort of spirity thing. Yeah, house spirit. Yeah, house yeah. spirit. Um, and which leads to a discovery of these um, mushrooms growing under floorboards uh, later on. But the mushrooms help her like read 
do her mistakes. It gives her a second chance. Yes, yes that's seconds. a better way to say that. A second chance. Yeah, so she tries to perfect her life. And you're only supposed to use these mushrooms to do one do-over, but she just keeps doing over and doing over and... Things go bad. Yeah, things ultimately go really bad, and it's sort of about that and, and the conclusion to, to sort of, uh, the, the resolution to all of that mess. Yes. Is that is that a yeah, little that's summary? Yeah. Okay. It reminds me of a funny story. It's like, after I read this book, I asked uh, my husband, Trevor, I'm like, if you could do something over about today, would you? And he's like, oh, well, today's fine. And I'm like, yeah, but in theory, if you could uh, do something over from your life, would you? And he's like, yeah, I guess I would. But what if there were terrible consequences? Like, well, you didn't tell me about the terrible consequences. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a very Katie-like thing to say. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so where do uh, someone want to start with sort of their sure. impressions? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, came into this book with super high expectations. Like, um, I read Scott Pilgrim because I'm a bit younger than the rest of you, but that got me right, like, grade 7, mm-hmm. grade 8. I read Scott Pilgrim when it was coming out. Um, <laughs> you weren't in grade seven. Yeah, you were in grade seven. But like, I went to like Teacup 2007 to get my book signed by Brian Lee O'Malley, and it was just like a very formative comic series for me. Which I would like sidebar be very interested to revisit now as like in my early twenties and see how that resonates. But his other book, Lost at Sea, also like that book just felt like it summed up my entire existence at the time, um, and uh, I really enjoyed his work on um, Hopeless Savages, like, that's my favorite Hopeless Savages book, um, that, uh, he didn't write that, but he drew it, so I had, I had, like, high expectations coming into this book, and I was definitely, um, pleased with how it, how it came out. I think there are some things that, uh, about it that maybe we'll talk about later, um, that I think it was maybe a little bit weaker than some of his mm. previous series in some way, but I thought this was a really enjoyable read. Um, it's beautiful. The guy Nathan Fa- Fairbairn, yeah, I um, Fairbairn, who did the colors, like oh, oh my yeah. gosh, like hire him. And he, well, <laughs> not only hire him, like he uh, he recolored all of Scott Pilgrim as well. Wow. So if you go to pick up Scott Pilgrim now, you can get editions that are colored by the mm. same colorist. Like it's Apparently just, he's from Vancouver. He is, yeah. Yes, he is. He's local. We should be having guests. It's <laughs> so gorgeous. Um, and I had, uh, I think, d- d- uh, what's, what's his name? Dustin um, Harbin. Dustin Harbin do the letters. Yeah. And he's a great also really talented. Like it's just like, such a strong team working on this. So yeah. visually it's gorgeous. And like the pacing is so nice because Brantley O'Malley is a very good cartoonist. Like it's a really enjoyable reading experience. Yeah. I would say that you and I probably have a, a similar reaction to the book. So like I am a uh, Scott Pilgrim fan, huge Scott Pilgrim fan. I, I didn't pick up on it right away. Like uh, that became my awareness of Brian Lee O'Malley, right? But I picked up about halfway through the series and I finished it off as it was coming out. Huge fan of the film. Went back and read Lost at Sea, but it wasn't like that formative book for me. Uh, I'm definitely coming at it ahead of the curve, the age curve, shall we say? Mm. Yeah, the, I got from that the book right matter. at like fourteen. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so also I was really looking forward to what uh, Brian Lee O'Malley was going to come up with next, and for me, I was also really interested because Scott Pilgrim was this huge superstar mm-hmm. kind of smash hit, especially for comics. It almost transcended comics into the general popular culture, which is very rare. And so, for someone to have that much pressure. To follow that up. Yeah. I was really nervous almost for Brian. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm really pleased. I also really enjoyed the book. I thought it was beautifully executed and great. Some things 
about the writing. Uh, mm. So the story, maybe, more than the writing. The writing style, I feel, still really shines through. Yeah. But some things about the story we can discuss, but overall, I thought I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. How about you, John? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with, the, with the consensus here. Uh, I really enjoyed this book. Um, one of the things that I think I like about this book and Scott Pilgrim is the, uh, that it's sort of based on video game logic. That And I don't know any other writers that are really doing that, or at least not doing that very successfully. Uh, video games are such a big part of our culture now, but there's so few stories that mm. actually build on that. Like, to take a simple premise, something that is in almost every video game, the idea that you can save and go back. Yeah, right. that's true. I didn't think I about never, it yeah. a save state. That's interesting. Yeah, I never thought of those mushrooms as, like, a, a save game, but... That, it's totally yeah. it's totally a save game. Like, yeah. Katie is saving her game and going back and redoing things until she gets it right. And yeah. I'm sure that this is something that's sort of in, uh, in a lot of people's sort of uh, subconscious, this idea that this is a thing you can do in one setting. What if you could do that in the rest of your life? Like, what would be the consequences of that? What would work and what wouldn't work? Like, why is that not a thing we can do? And just the way that he sort of follows through on that simple premise and pulls it apart. And then at the end, when it gets uh, surreal, where there's, like, giant creatures and skeletons, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was That's fun. the best yeah. stuff. <laughs> I, I felt like it was uh, taking the breakdown as a metaphor, but then, like, really putting it on the page is something that comics can do so beautifully. Mm-hmm. That yes. just would, I think, even if you did it in film or something, or in animation, it would just become really weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of the probably some of the favorite things that about this book were some of the transitions in and out of the dream state. Uh, so there's this point uh, later on in the book where she's been making all of these revisions and shifts. And there's one point where... Uh, did I did I mark it down? I think page... Page 50 was one of the transitions that I really like. But there's this point where she decides to do another do-over. And the panels just stop halfway out down the page. And then it just kind of, like, jumps to this question mark on the other side. And then she's, like, lurching down the stairs, and it's like, things changed again. And the really brilliant paneling that is mm. you can do with the pacing of page layouts and mm-hmm. turns. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's a, he's a master of the medium, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's also it also feels like a very personal story. Like, there's... Uh, I have never met Brian Lee O'Malley, and I don't know him super well. I was following him on Twitter for a while, but you yeah. don't know anything about Brian Lee O'Malley by following him on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it feels like there must be a lot of him in this character. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think he's sort of set himself a character where he's distant enough that you know it's fiction, that clearly he has fictionalized a lot of stuff. You can't... To the point where you can't necessarily tell which bits are the real thing and which are stuff he's just written into the story, but it has a lot of authenticity to it mm-hmm. as a whole. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I, uh, I don't know. I appreciated that he did the the sort of gender flop on this too. That he like Scott Pilgrim really felt just like Brian Lee O'Malley caricaturized, yeah. uh, and a lot of his friends got caricaturized uh, as characters there. Uh, where this, I think, just even uh, changing it to this character of Katie, it sort of, I think, gave him a little bit more distance where he can do different things with the character. It doesn't have to be such a direct reflection of him, but still embody certain aspects. Like, she's a cook, she's not a cartoonist, right? Mm -hmm. Um, She's on her second restaurant, not her third long-form comic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, So, like, there's parallels, but he, like divorced himself a little bit from the protagonist to, yeah. to allow it a little more flexibility. 
I definitely appreciate reading a, um, how should I put this, uh, 30-something sad suburban male story where the main character is not a 30-something sad suburban male. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I do yeah. think uh, Brian writes women pretty well. There is a, mm-hmm. There are a lot of women characters in this book. There's Katie, there's Hazel, there's Liss, arguably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what I really appreciated about Brian's style, so it reminds me a lot of, it, it seems like it is influenced or rebounded off something like Rumiko Takahashi, where the characters are really swat, squat. Oh, you know, like she I looks a lot there. like Ranma, yeah. too. Yeah, I agree, female Ranma. And uh, I, I really appreciated something that I noted is that Brian has a really great way at writing and drawing women who are cute, like undeniably cute, but they're not sexual. They're not like, yes. or they're, they're yeah. able to be sexual, but they're not male gazy. Yeah, way. Yes. oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, um, like, yeah I think they did a good job with um, conveying that in Hazel, right? Yeah. That, like, Katie felt sort of insecure in the presence of Hazel, but it wasn't like Hazel was this, like, objectified, like, male gaze, uh, you know, woman. It's just that Katie sort of looks at the... This is comparing herself, and they're just very different body types, hair types. Like, they're just different, but she's seeing her flaws, like, you know, in in the comparison, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I feel like they, they focus on different things uh, in Hazel that... Katie would zone in on as part of her personality, but a man wouldn't. Like she's, they, yeah. she zones in on her hair. Yeah, right. <laughs> she's like super jealous of her long hair, which is something that's very true from a woman's experience. Yes. But <laughs> I, I felt like he did it a lot with Katie as well. Mm. So there are a lot of scenes of intimacy with Katie and scenes of her like just casually in her underwear, but yeah. not in a male gazy way, yeah. which is absolutely unusual. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it always jumps out at me when it happens. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, no, that's not like a sexualized hangout. Yeah, in the like that's e- just like even a... in the bath, right? It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think. I mean, I think that it helped in the way that that um, Katie was kind of acting as Brian's avatar in this story. So he's. Well, you're you know, projecting that. You're, maybe. you're assuming that. Fine. That's not like a fact. <laughs> well, that's true. You don't know him. That's true. That's fine. <laughs> Anyways, I made a note in here that I really liked Hazel. I actually wanted to see more about her. I thought she was a really interesting character. I mean, she was there a lot, but I almost found myself more interested in her than in Katie in, in some instances. Yeah. In fact, probably if we're going to jump straight into our problems with the book, <laughs> maybe, the biggest falling down of this book for me was uh, Katie and Max. So in the end, uh, Katie's relationship with Max is salvaged kind of like in a snap. And for me, like, I felt like the whole book was leading up to, it's like, actually, Katie is doing all right in spite of her struggles. And this friendship that she has forged with Hazel is the most precious thing to come out of it. But they just kind of supplanted all of that. And and she got Max. That's that's (laughs) another note I have, but you look like you want to say something. Yeah, I don't, like, that sat a little off with me too like um i guess maybe i was expecting because it is a little bit of a predictable arc where she's making these mistakes and trying to fix them and at the end she's supposed to like learns that you know life is okay as it is you don't need to try and correct it just do the best you can on on the first go so i was really expecting her not to get back together with max and i feel like she got everything that she wanted yeah and she maybe learned something but she didn't really alter her behavior at all yeah yeah to me like katie although i feel she's really well written and well Mm. rendered she's kind of a brat (laughs) she kind of rose me the wrong way no actually i like that about her that she is as the protagonist in a story especially uh, a story that seems to me, at least, to be reflective of the author slightly. The the 
Uh, and th- I felt this with Scott Pilgrim too that the main character is flawed. They mm-hmm. are oh yeah all not that bright and uh, always making mistakes. And the the text makes it very clear that you know don't trust this protagonist too much. They're gonna screw up. I like the part where she argues with the narrator. Oh yeah, straight from the get go. That's that was a really fun. Yeah, that made me sort of wonder like if the narrator was, like, a third-party omniscient, or if it was, like, an internal monologue that she was having with herself. It did shift to Katie once. Or, sorry, to Hazel once. Yeah. Right towards the end. And that was the only time that it did. You never see anybody else's perspective, but Katie's in the car when the world is going up. To pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's a really interesting point about the narrator. I like that it's unclear who the narrator is. I think mm-hmm. that's something you can do in comics yeah. better than other media. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but no, that was I I totally uh, think that was the the worst part of this was was that she gets back together with her boyfriend. I agree. Um, yeah. Like it was funny because I mean at the beginning they sort of talk about how she's made this restaurant seconds and now she's working on another restaurant. And she's throwing all of her efforts into this this rickety old building that's like falling apart, but she's totally treating seconds like garbage. Like I'm done with this restaurant. I'm starting this new restaurant. It's going to be way better. And at the end of the story, it's telling that she actually then goes back and like they repaint seconds, and she kind of has like a newfound appreciation for the original restaurant. And you know. I think that's like character growth where it's like realizing that she had a good thing and that she'd sort of turned her back on it and should have been focusing on it. And yet with the, the ex-boyfriend thing with Max, um, like I think that's just a cop out. It's like, I mean, maybe this is part of like just the way that I, some of the things I'm writing in my comics or some of the things I'm looking for in, in, in the stories I read, but I just, I hate when you have a story about a relationship and it goes on the rocks and falls apart, and then somehow they get back together at the end. Because that, that never happens, right? Like, when relationships end, it, it's usually over, right? And it's over for a reason. And so when her and Max had these problems, I, like, to just have it like, oh, it all worked out because of the, the craziness of the mushrooms, like, that doesn't make sense. See, like, like, she should it, be it, moving on with her life and finding a new partner. Yeah, it, I feel like it didn't even work out. Yeah. So it's like, it was a little bit unclear. It's like, so somehow throughout the process of the mushrooms, she managed to undo her breakup initially. Yeah. Then spend some time married to Max. Yeah. But then in the great big undoing, shall we say, where it yeah. kind of went back to the start. Yeah. She meets him at the front of the restaurant. And if you think of it in the terms of the continuity, it should be that they are still broken up at this point, And this is after Max has been kind of coming to the restaurant and stalking her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, like, she, she, when it comes back to character growth, like, she should have, if you make it a parallel of seconds of the restaurant, she mm-hmm. should have apologize it's like we had a good thing going on and i neglected you but yeah. no she's like you should have waited around you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. and then yeah. max is like okay i guess <laughs> that's like another reason why maybe it, it didn't quite work for me is i didn't feel like there was much there for max as a character like he was yeah. kind of a, a little bit of like a just a, a stand-in character like there wasn't anything really identifying or interesting about him that we could, like, relate to and really sort of, like, be like, yeah, no, she should be in this relationship with him. Like, I'm really Mm -hmm. gunning for them to get together or whatever, you know? I agree completely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. um, I don't... I had just had, like, an 
observation about the very end of the book, um, which is also why I was frantically tweeting at people uh, if they had either Lost at Sea or Scott Pilgrim Volume 6, but I did notice that Brian Lee O'Malley likes to end his stories on a void page, where oh. the last page of the book in seconds is a starry void with the dresser and like a little line of text. Yeah. The last page in Lost at Sea is um, Raleigh um, and uh, like a starry background and some narration, and then I my copy of Scott Pilgrim is boxed away at my parents' house. So no, I remember I, that where they're but like they jump going through the door yeah. at the end of mm. the Scott Pilgrim series. So I just I just thought that was like an interesting observation of um, maybe his writing style. Or he seems to like to end his books on a void. Like they're nice <laughs> yeah. notes. Like I think yeah, yeah, yeah. his books wrap up really nicely. Yeah. But I just thought that was a funny pattern. Yeah. No, there's okay. definitely some interesting callbacks to his other books. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had a question about that. <laughs> okay, because. <laughs> How did you feel about the multiple Scott Pilgrim references throughout this book? Because it did not actually sit right with me. Really? And, um, there, I located about four, but one of them is a maybe because okay. I think it's referencing like an obscure. Oh, well, then let's go side. through. Let's okay. go through the ones. Oh man, I think okay. I only picked up on, on one. So. Uh, page oh. sixteen. Julie and Stephen Stills are in yep. the restaurant. Whoa. Okay, I missed that. <laughs> um, on page ninety-two, I'm like, this is a really. I'm not sure. Because I got a really big sense mm. of deja vu from page 92 that um, uh, there's a free comic book day comic from TCAF 2007 that has oh, a side yeah. story of uh, Scott Pilgrim in it. And it's, it's about Kim Pine. Um, my copy is boxed away at my parents' house, so I couldn't check this for sure. But that page, I like felt like it was referencing that story for whatever hmm. reason. So if hmm. anyone listening has that comic, you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. Um, then page 135, Yep. someone asks, uh, bread makes you fat, which oh, yeah, that's obvious. Uh, is super obvious, and then 259, Scott and Ramona are cameoed in the restaurant. And there, okay. there is also, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Stephen Stills is in there as well. Okay. Yeah, he's in the background of, in that same scene. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. just coming in the door. For me, um, I am really into, like, breaking the fourth wall and having references and stuff, but I kind of didn't feel like it worked here because it was um, too many. Like, mm -hmm. once would be great. Okay. Um, and That's then fair. also, like, Scott Pilgrim is a really location-specific comic. It's mm. about Toronto. This book is clearly not set in Toronto. Mm. Yeah, um, that like, actually, I, 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 I prefer, like, uh, like, I like about Scott Pilgrim that it's so play-specific. And this yeah. is like, not play-specific. Yeah, it feels like it's missing something. Um, I was actually curious, like, what you guys thought maybe the location of this book was. Because to me, mm. it looks kind of European. I, I got a Northeastern feel. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, but to yeah. me, it seems still very sort of Ontario, yeah, maybe I, Montreal. Really? I would have believed this. Mm, I can't remember anything um, like that in that region. I okay, uh, maybe <laughs> Montreal. Okay, but but you're right. It's clearly not meant it's to be like a super particular not place. Mm -hmm. Sorry, okay. like, right. it's not yeah. Ontario architecture. Yeah. Um, not to not to be yeah. that guy. I only lived there for a year. So you lived there he's, for he's living in New York now, isn't he? Mm, I think California. He's in California. 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 Okay. So this isn't really anything. This does feel really East Coast to me. It doesn't feel uh, like West Coast. It no, definitely not. Very old. If it was North America, it would be East Coast because the old yeah, brick buildings. Yeah, but like, I don't know. To me, it like felt European. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess my well, also my other reason like why I don't find that the Scott Pilgrim references work is that, like it's not necessarily logical for the characters to be in that right. like location. Right, 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 right. Not yeah. that they can't travel, but just well, like the multiple repeats. I, I understand what you're yeah. saying, but, references, in, but I don't know. The, you can disagree. I, I disagree. <laughs> and I'll Fair. tell you why. I would say that, number one, when you have a superstar breakout hit like Scott Pilgrim, yeah. all of those readers are going to be reading this book. 
Mm -hmm. 100%. I can't think of anyone who would read this who hasn't at least heard of Scott Pilgrim. And so you kind of are obligated to give something. I feel like the bread makes you fat. I was... Oh, yeah, no, that's... I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, I love that he wrote right in the bottom. He wrote, sorry? (laughs) (laughs) Did you catch that? I did not. Yeah, so great. I like that that now. He wrote, sorry, and I thought that was cute. That's real. And the other thing is, it's... I don't think they're actually intended to be those characters. It's a crowd scene thing. Okay. So when you're drawing a crowd scene, crowd scenes are boring as hell. And the only way you can entertain yourself is, like, doing these inserts. So there are other characters in there. Uh, that mm. aren't necessarily of this universe, that aren't Scott Pilgrim. Like, I think early in the book, there's probably a reference to George Rohak uh, in the early yeah, I fantasy saw of the... a couple that I... It was mm, colored blonde. Saw. It was colored different. Uh, like that. I feel like that could be a George Rohak there on okay. page 16, uh, which is someone in, in Brian's social circle, I think. But I feel like some of these people, these are probably Steve uh, Brian's friends. Can't you know, right. anything. So, yeah, these two are the ones you're talking about, right, Kathleen? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm sorry, I'm pointing to things in the book, but I feel like that's just a function of crowd yeah. scenes. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. I, um, no, I mean, I think the, the bread makes you fat is probably the most clever reference to Scott Pilgrim. Uh, it's sort of like the Cornetto trilogy. Sure. You know, where it's just this random element that just ties it in. Um, but I'm guilty of this so hard. Like, I love linking my different comics together. I'll always try to, like, get a reference to another character in a story, not even if it doesn't make sense, like I'll just try to have like a nod to something else I did, and I love when other cartoonists do that. I'm, yeah, I'm a total sucker fun. for that. It's it's a way to reward people who've been sticking with you, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, maybe okay, so I just done. feel like there's too many. We've got about uh, five minutes before we should start wrapping it up. So, is there right. anything else um, that you really I'll, need to hear? Actually, this is a note that I had uh, made myself uh, that I would love to get your feedback, everyone's mm-hmm. feedback on, which is just skeletons. Question yes, mark? absolutely. Skeletons love them. Okay, but explain the skeletons to me because it threw me off. I just thought there it was is weird. no explanation. It is weird. You're in an o- another universe. It makes no sense. That's how you know something is horribly wrong. There are also animals that I think don't exist that were on the menu. Yes. Okay. yes. Maybe uh, my uh, my lexicon of animals is not quite complete. If you but... actually look at the the menu, those are not things that people would eat. Yeah. Well. So I right. think that's the, intended mm-hmm. to imply that you're actually jumping to other universes, right. as John said, because that's how they explained. Right. what was happening. It's like you're actually jumping to a parallel universe where that decision was already made. Mm. Although they do seem to, in the in the flashbacks, they do seem to give Katie like she has some kind of control in the revision, how she's executing it. It's where she says, like, the first half, I just had a minor attitude adjustment and then things went fine. But in the second half, uh, Alex, I think, is the guy she's fooling around with. She's like, I forgot that aspect and whatever, it still fell down. Uh, so it's a little bit weird. Um, yeah. But I think it's it's one of those. Like I, I mean, I kind of agree. With I John. get I get that he was trying to just make it like a little bit offsetting. Like mm-hmm. like definitely the menu for sure. Like I I when I read it, I sort of understood. Oh okay, it's like it's not our reality anymore. But I don't know. The skeletons just seemed to come out of nowhere. It just seemed very other people out of didn't field. seem to see the skeletons though. That was the other mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Well, they didn't think it was weird. They did know that they were skeletons. Yeah, but yeah. I don't like know, he, there was, that seemed asks, ambiguous about me. Okay, then. maybe. Right. Like, it's just sort of what she's seeing, not necessarily what everyone's seeing. Yeah. Because she's the only one who can see the house spirit, either. Right. She's the only one who can see that's the That's true. <laughs> okay. But she, she asked someone about the skeletons, and someone else says, yeah, that was your idea. Crazy. Yeah. No, I thought it was like, you hired them. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. but yeah. not necessarily that they were oh, skeletons. Oh, okay. Just mm. that you hired this guy. 
I, uh, I, I liked the skeletons. I, I thought they worked. So. Uh, I wrote down a quote um, from the dialogue. I think it was Katie's dialogue. And I thought it made for a pretty neat premise of uh, the book and perhaps all of Brian's writing recently. So it's adult life is terrible, Hazel. Never grew up. Everything's complicated and there are too many rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think maybe that's where the video game part of it comes in, where he's trying to figure out the rules of the wor- of the universe using video game logic, and it doesn't always work that well. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I find with, um, like, with both Seconds and with um, Scott Pilgrim, uh, I found with both of them, they just brought me into this really compelling world that was a little bit fantastic compared to our own, but... And, and like it got me invested in the characters with these really reali- well realized characters, but I found with both of them, the ending just sort of got really sloppy. Like it was just suddenly kind of stumbling to cobble something together at the last minute. It's like, eh, and here's your ending. No, there was a, there was actually <laughs> another quote that I think I wrote down. Uh, page three twelve. I need to become a better person, etc. Like etc. <laughs> in the panel, and right. I feel like that's very emblematic of what you're. Yeah. you're describing and yeah. i feel like i agree scott pilgrim kind of did the same thing yeah there's a it's very funny how if you watch the film everything looks like it's very cleanly driving towards an arc where steven ends up with or sorry where scott ends up with knives yeah and then it shifts at the last minute and he gets together with ramona and yeah. this is because at the last minute scott released his last book and they right. got together with Mona, and everyone's like wait what yeah, <laughs> yeah that yeah, wasn't yeah. where you were writing yeah. and it's like the same thing in this book like they weren't Supposed to end up together with Max, and yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I narratively, mean, oh, thank God, uh, Scott didn't wind up with knives. Um, yeah, so yeah, knives I know. Like, yeah, that, 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 was, that was bad. Like that. I, as as a like young teen, that didn't seem weird to me, but now I'm like, oh yeah, seventeen and twenty three is gross. Well, and even uh, just I don't know that that was a real misstep. I mean, I was more compelled with the Kim Pine thing that they brought yeah. up in the last book. I thought that's I could see Scott getting together with Kim as a like a red herring kind of last minute thing Maybe. that I would have bought they, they into. They left some hints to that because well. they were friends from the beginning, and yeah. just to have and they it suddenly in high school. Yeah, yeah, they had right. <laughs> yeah. So then, just to have that be this little thing of like, oh, the girl for you has always been there the whole time. You didn't realize it, like. I see that face you're making. Well, see, like, I would enjoy that more than Knives helps him fight off, like, the video game villains to win Ramona, or even just the way that, at the very end, Ramona's just like, ah, yeah, I guess we'll just get back together, shrug. Yeah. Plus, like, like, Knives had an arc, and if her arc ends up with Scott, it's like, what was the point of anything? Yeah. Then we're just back to the beginning. The end is the beginning. Which is kind of where the problem of seconds is, is that not enough maybe change that, like... That's why I think for her to really have evolved, um, instead of just fixing her business, she should have fixed her love life. That she should have, you know, even if she just ended being happy being single at the end, or was in pursuing a new relationship with a new person. But just her ending up with any of those previous people that she was connected with while you're reading that story just seems like a regression for her character. Hmm. Yeah. I would agree. Okay. Um... Final thoughts, Scott Pilgrim? Would you recommend it? Oh, uh, yes, and I would definitely. And by Scott Pilgrim, do you mean Seconds? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jonathan. It's been a long day. Would Jonathan. you recommend Seconds? Yes, I would. And Angela, would you recommend Seconds? I would recommend it to Scott Pilgrim fans. All right. Not necessarily to everyone. Okay. All right. That's, that's a good point. I can think of at least one person that didn't like Scott Pilgrim who 
should not have been told to read seconds. <laughs> uh, and Kathleen, would you recommend? Oh, I'd seconds? definitely recommend this book. Yeah, enjoyable okay. read. Enjoyable and and read. and so would I. I think it's a good follow up to Scott Pilgrim. Yes, yeah. looking forward to his next work. Yeah, yes, yes very much. Mm. I'm really interested yeah. to see what he does next. That'll that'll be about being in your forties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all, right, all right, so just to, to wrap it up, uh, let's uh, go around the room one more time, and you can tell us uh, your name and your website. And you can give a shout-out to uh, a trade that you are not waiting for, that you want it Ooh. right now. Something you want to read, uh, whether or not it is in a book uh, on the shelf waiting for you. All right. Um, well, if you want to see some of the comics I'm working on, you can find them at uh, jeff-ellis.ca. Uh, all my comic works are there. Uh, and I will be teaching a course on comics at Langara College in uh, the fall. So if you live in the Vancouver area, it's not too late to sign up for that course. Uh, otherwise, I'll uh, turn it over to Kathleen. Oh, thank you, Jeffrey. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I draw a weekly comic that goes up on Wednesdays that you can find on my Tumblr, which is CAG Comics, which is K-A-G, comics with an X on the end. .tumblr.com, uh, or check out my other um, now-complete webcomic, uh, Last Night at Wormwood High, which is at wormwoodhigh.com, Wormwood with a Y instead of an O in worm. Yeah, and uh, I'm Angela Mullick. You can find my weekly autobio webcomic at wastedtalent.ca. That's about it. Oh, are we doing shout-outs on the yeah. same thing? Sure. Yeah, so shout-out to Baggy Wrinkles, which is uh, on Kickstarter right now. Oh, I sorry, I blanked out. I should be talking about what I couldn't wait. Yeah. yeah what can, what <laughs> no, can you okay. wait for, Jeffrey? <laughs> well, so, uh, I'm currently reading the uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch reboot on Comixology, uh, <laughs> issue by issue, and it's uh, it's kind of cool. It's like a dark, twisted take on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Alright, cool. Oh, cool. Very good. Uh, oh, should I do mine? Because I don't think I sure. said what I was looking forward to, but or enjoying, but definitely Lumberjanes. Lumberjanes is so good. Sweet. All right. Uh, I'm Jonathan Dalton. Uh, you can find my comics at lostcitycomics.com. Uh, what can I shout out that... Um... That's fine. What <laughs> What'd you have for lunch? Uh, well, a sandwich. <laughs> shout out to sandwiches. The sandwiches are pretty great. <laughs> I live in the country without sandwiches for a year and a half, and I sure miss them. <laughs> All right. So, what are we going to review next time? All right. Uh, next uh, next episode is going to be this one summer by uh, Mariko and Jillian uh, Tamaki. Uh, so, find your copy now and be ready for next episode. All right, we're out. Mm-hmm.